Welcome to another edition of the Geomologist Presents. Today I will be talking about the savage weekend that I participated in um, playing in Kevin Madison of Dungeon Musings podcast and actual play YouTube channel in his marathon session. We played Sav I played three games of Savage World, Savage Pathfinder, or I played a uh, Dwarven Magus, so fi fighter magic user, with a fire trapping, more or less. And then I actually added to the Savage Weekend by running a, an in-person game of Deadlands with our Sunday dinner a group of friends that I have. So I will talk about that here. Uh, first, we'll have some call-ins and my responses to them, and then... Even before the Savage Worlds talk, I promised something that I forgot to add to the previous Geomologist Presents, and that is a summary of our Warhammer Fantasy RP4 character creation, since we're going to play that live uh, this week. What's up, Carl? It's Arlen calling in. Um, glad you enjoyed Savage Sewer Creatures. I've been having a lot of fun with that. I feel like it's made a really good kind of like, you know, mess around and relax on Friday afternoon kind of game. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun to have you guys beat up some of those ninja bots and uh, do all that sort of stuff. You're... Um, Band of Brothers yearly rewatch thing. That's pretty cool. I have seen some of Band of Brothers. When I was a kid, one of my best friend's dad was really, real, he was really into Band of Brothers, really liked the show. So I saw bits and pieces of it um, when I was like in elementary or middle school, which I did not understand what it really was at the time of course um and we didn't we didn't ever watch like a whole episode um except maybe the first one where they're just in in training to to be um you know uh paratroopers and all that sort of stuff i think we watched the whole episode of that one but the other stuff we only watched like small sections of it um anyway but it, pretty cool and that's a that's a neat um tradition a, a good way to to kind of have a uh a lasting relationship not just with that show but with that kind of concept and the, the that sort of greatest generation idea in a lot of ways so anyway um really enjoying the geomologist presents um Glad you have started a podcast. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the gaming marathon. And um, I guess I will see you on Tuesday at the very least for um, our Tuesday night game. So take care and I will see you soon. Hey, Arlen. Thank you for the call-ins. Actually, I'm glad my non-RPG content was received so well. Yeah, just part of these podcasts is to share a little bit about ourselves um you and jason hobbs from random screed do that really well and hey you know we're a community and a family somewhat of uh nerds and people who love games and love pop culture and it's good to always know what each other are doing and thinking really so thank you for those call-ins i'm really enjoying all the savage games that i'm playing um I've mentioned that I got to use Brody as a, as a bad guy in one of my games 
because he looks like he'd be hard to kill and hard to take out. Might be memorable, might TPK a whole party. So uh, thank you again for running that. I can't wait to see what happens in the next one. Hey, Carl, Jason here. Enjoyed your last episode. I was sad that you didn't sing, but I'll give you a pass this time since I'm the only one participating in your contest anyway. As far as your ending comments, I don't think they were controversial at all. I don't, I don't know why that would be controversial unless somebody out there is a Tulsa massacre denier or some crazy craziness like that. But, I mean, we know what happened. We know it was horrible. And, well, I, I take it back. It, it definitely happened. It was definitely horrible. But, like you say, a lot of people still don't know about it. You, you know, and, and I wonder how many people that saw those things in TV on Watchmen and Lovecraft Country thought there were TV programs, you know, until President Biden actually went there for the 100th anniversary, you, you know, to shed some light on this. But, yeah, you know, it, it's a sad part of American history that has been kind of swept under that needs to be brought to light. So thank you for talking about it. Hey, Jason, thank you for the positive comments. I'm going to continue to share stuff that crosses my mind. And we need to really talk about this kind of stuff I believe. And yeah, let's talk about RPGs and gaming, but you know, sometimes those honestly, like the RPG and gaming that gaming stuff that we do sometimes will inspire a comment about a social issue. And I think that's okay. I really think that we need to talk about these things and shed light on history that has been swept under the rug. It's important. Hey, Carl Jason here. I know I'm sending this before you release another podcast, but just to answer your musical cues in your upcoming podcast, Death Clock, Death Clock, Death Clock. I heard you call into Arlen's program live from Helms Wasteland and talk about the desire to do big space battles, not just a few few fighters, but actually, you know, squadrons of ships. And as far as RPG goes, I don't know. I think, and I'm pretty small-minded, so I'm sure other people have different ideas on this and better ideas on this, but I kind of see two main ways to do this. Number one is the return of the Jedi model. And by, by that, I mean, you had the big battle going on, but your PCs are on the moon trying to shut off the shield generator, you know, not up in space fighting. Right. And so how do we do that? Well, the PC shutting down the moon generator, the shield generator is pretty easy to do. But how do we do the space battle? Well, I would say when it makes sense, I wouldn't do it every round, but maybe every third round or every logical pause or when a big role is about to come up, you as the GM have to decide how to do this dramatically. But every now and then you're going to cut to the space battle from the PCs. And when you cut to that space battle, you, you let the PCs roll, but you find some really generic rules. And basically you're doing a dramatic task out of Savage Worlds. And then you're just narrating the space battle. You know, if, if the PCs roll good, then their fleet's doing better. And if they, if they roll bad, then the bad guy's fleet's rolling better or, you know, doing better. And you just narrate that. So that's one way you can do it. I think the other way to do it is to actually play a war game. Here's a new one for you, Jason. Let's see if I can do it. And the men who hold high places must be the ones who start to mold a new reality. I'm going to stop there because I would give it away. 
way back in the first decade of the 21st century, I used to go to war game conventions and go to buddies' houses and play war games a fair bit, miniature war games. And we used to do Star Wars and um, Battlestar Galactica and stuff like that for the big fleet battles. And that was a lot of fun. And there, there's a ton of miniature war game rules that let you do this. I, I can give you recommendations if you need them. But, and, and those aren't too hard to adapt. There are already you know, things like Tabletop Simulator. There's, you, can, you could adapt it to Roll20 easy enough. There, there are ways you can do this online. In person, of course, you'd set up all your miniatures. And now that you're, you're getting to the point, you can do that again. I mean, or like, well, you're, you're a Games Workshop fan. You know, you use like ba- Battlefleet Gothic, right? I think that's what it's called, Battlefleet Gothic. Pretty sure that's what it's called. Anyhow, so when you do that battle, it's not that the PCs are you, you just switch to full battle mode and you 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 know you, you just go and do a straight war game. Like having PCs affect the battle, you can do it the way we did it with you know Cthulhu Invictus, but I don't know how satisfying that would be with a big space battle. I think it'd be pretty unsatisfying. Because Cthulhu Invictus was pretty unsatisfying when you when you stole stole our victory out of our hands. So I I think it would be the same thing with a space battle. Um, but we'll we'll talk more about G- GMs taking away player agency over my podcast. But I do think you you could do it, and, and I'm sure there are a bunch of ways to do this that I'm not thinking of right now that other smarter people can think, including yourself think of so i look forward maybe if you expand your thoughts and then maybe other callers talk about it as well haha you mentioned savage worlds i think savage worlds would be a good way to do it and you could even you could either do it if there are some people up in space and some people on the ground as a parallel dramatic task where there's a timer and a time limit and you have to do x before something bad happens. Kevin, I think maybe inspired by something like that, did that in our Savage Worlds battle. And I'll talk about that more in detail below, but he did run like two groups running, doing parallel dramatic tasks and there are goals for each of the tasks. So you could have in your example, a group up in space, maybe like as Admiral Akbar, or Admiral Akbar's advisors or even pilots uh, leading squadrons and another group on the ground with, you know, playing the role of Han Solo and Princess Leia um, and Luke. And Luke would be even a separate thing, right? Uh, that could be very interesting. You could actually, I could see how you could model that with Savage World, doing parallel dramatic tasks where the players really, what happens is effectively there is a battle role at the very end of the quote unquote round and everyone contributes to that success or takes away from that success and there are consequences if you fail your particular role and trying to accomplish what you're doing. And that could be anything on a role from fighting to you know, sneaking to whatever skill you can think of or contribution that your character could do in this sort of quote unquote battle round or um, this round of the dramatic task. It works really well. Um, and I will talk about that. I said, like again in detail, down you know later on, at least in in the particulars, as much as I can remember, for the Savage Weekend, um, Savage Pathfinder games. So thank you for the call in, except for the part where you say that I steal player agency, because you guys could have ran. 
just reminding you. And but I do take your point and concede your point that you know it is a predetermined outcome if you're playing a historical game, right? I mean, I know what's going to happen. You guys did the best you could, and you you did, I would say, change the outcome somewhat. I thought you had fun. I didn't think that you were dissatisfied with the outcome. All right. All right, I noticed in my last podcast that I had in the intro that I was going to go over Warhammer Fantasy role-playing 4th edition character generation since it's pretty fun and there are a lot of... It's not quite the game within a game that Traveler or some of the Modifius 2D20 systems are, but it is pretty fun and we did devote a whole gaming session to it still online in preparation for our actual live play in person finally after over a year back at Dragon's Lair in San Antonio. So um, here goes. So basically the character generation creation summary is a six to nine step process depending on how far you get. We actually went or most of the players went through steps one through six and you can do it totally randomly. I think this is the fun part. You have choices to do species, class and career, attributes especially, and those you can roll totally randomly. And if you do, you get a bonus of 120 XP to then spend on your character before play. So some of the players did do that. Um, Ben, my friend Ben rolled up a human lawyer. My friend Vince rolled up a human villager. And my friend James rolled up a human advisor, and they did it all randomly. Basically, they rolled first on the species table, which is a a 90% chance that you're going to be a human. But if you just roll randomly, you get 20 XP. Then they rolled on the class and career. And if you take the first roll on a D100, which they did, you get 50 XP. Uh, The other choices you can do is you can roll three times and take the one that you like and you are bumped down to 25 XP. And then finally, when you roll your attributes, if you roll in order, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten attributes. If you roll down the line and put them in order, you get 50 XP. If you mix them around but take those rolls, then you're bumped down to 25 XP. So these three players, they did it all random, and that's what they ended up with. Our friend Chase then went up went down i guess a level in randomness um but he did really well on the random table his first roll was a 100 for for species and he ended up being a wood elf and then his first time roll for career ended up being a knight so he is a wood elf knight and he gets to start off with 70 more xp uh because he rolled randomly and finally when he rolled his attributes he did mix them around because he didn't like how things shook up based on what he wanted to do although as an elf uh, you get quite a bit of bumps um, in your bonus Uh, most other rate uh, species get 2d10 plus 20 but elves have a lot of 2d10 plus 30 and even a 2d10 plus 40 for their starting attribute finally my friend jeff who's played this game before wanted to customize his character so he uh, was initially gonna you know min max as best as possible and do everything non-random so he chose his species which was a high elf and he chose his career which was to be a wizard and 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 eventually he's decided to become a a blue wizard who focuses on magic from the heavens um, in the 
the wheel and colors of magic in the Warhammer verse. But when he rolled his attributes, they were actually pretty good. So he stuck within a row. So he actually, at least he did end up with 50 XP. So after that, the rest of the, the character generation is finding your skills and talents based on your species and career. And then you chose, choose your trappings. So you really don't buy equipment. You have a set of trappings that you get. And then you have a set of income that you have. And there's a mechanic in Warhammer where in between adventures, you can do that shopping and marketing and, and spend your hard-earned money or gain more wealth. Right. So, um, and then they went, everyone went through step six, which is adding detail. So they chose their name, age, hair, eye color, height, psychology, and ambitions. Everyone is going to have a short-term and long-term ambition. And, uh, when we get together, we'll look at the party ambitions. And I think it's going to be really pretty fun. Um, we're going to do, like I've mentioned, the enemy within campaign and enemy in the shadows, uh, shadows over, a uh, Bulghafen, um, are the first two adventures and they do recommend like the, the conceit in the first adventure is that they're looking to get a the next coach out to the big city of Altor from their coaching in that they all meet at but um one of the characters the knight technically would have a horse so they wouldn't need to do that necessarily however uh, i've already talked to the player and that is one of the things that is bringing the players together is to track down um, the Wood Elf Knight's horse because undoubtedly it was either stolen or even maybe he was swindled out of it. Um, swindled probably seems to be the way it would go. The people in the in uh, Reichsland were, took advantage of this uh, country bumpkin knight uh, who's a Wood Elf not knowing how things work in society, in the human society, and uh, stole his horse somehow. Or, you know, he lost it somehow. That's how we're going to start, I think. Um, it'll be really fun. So that's um, Warhammer Fantasy character generation in a nutshell. You can do random or pick and choose. And it's pretty fun. Not doesn't take too long. Um, maybe for all five players, you know, we were done within our normal time frame of playing, which is about two to three hours. But, you know, there's a lot of discussion and uh, people did, trying to decide, you know, how things fit together. Um, so... And really, like, the big decision would, would be, you know, what what skills and talents you pick if you're given the choice and what career skills and talents you put points in. So that was the main, you know, the, the initial stuff is pretty fast, right? So, so there you go. Warhammer Fantasy character creation in a nutshell. So Kevin Madison, a.k.a. the Dungeon Muser, ran a four-part adventure over the weekend for his yearly marathon. He called the adventure The Terror from the Forgotten Time, and he made use of the terrific toolkit and game mechanics in Savage Worlds Pathfinder, including dramatic tasks, social conflict, mass battles, and then interspersed that with quick encounters as needed. And it was really neat how he... I love the variety myself. Um, of the interesting mechanics in Savage Pathfinder, and it gave, it really brought out, and the mechanics brought out a quality in each adventure that I played in that made it unique and engaging. And he, like, Kevin is great, or he did a great job of interspersing the different mechanics that are available in Savage Worlds, right? And I think the beauty of Savage Worlds, too, is that you get an unexpected results from both the die rolls 
and the action cards. I mean, everyone gets very excited when we get a Joker. Everyone gets very excited when we have exploding dice. There's an exciting and fresh and regular flow of bennies. And Kevin used the conviction mechanic as well. Um, so it was very enjoyable. And I think that the game system really brought to life the story that Kevin wanted to tell. So I'm going to pause here. And then when I continue, I'll kind of give some details because, you know, it's not a published adventure. Kevin did it all himself. So I can go into as much detail without the fear of spoilers at all. Right. I played three games in Kevin Madison's Savage Pathfinder, Terror from a Forgotten Time that he ran. I missed the first one, but I think that was the intro and it set up what the, who the adversary would be. In the second game that I played, we had an extended dramatic task where we had to recruit allies for a big battle that was coming that the other players in the previous adventure had foreseen. And that was really enjoyable. We split up into various groups with some of us buddying up and others going solo. And we were trying to convince the leaders of a particular political group to send us aid. So myself and another player, we went to go visit the Black Horse tribe of the Black Horses tribe of the Kelid that we had encountered and owed us a favor. So we started with at least one point to get them to ally. And Kevin had it so that we needed six points uh, through the various tasks and various meetings. I think we had uh, three rounds to get a total of six points for the group to come all in. And uh, so we used our various skills. Like, a, again, it was framed as a dramatic task. We used our various skills and I was the support in this case. So I would put together an argument, propose my skill, and then that would in turn be given to the main player. Um, I think it was a, a guy named Jeff who played Velka, who was another Kelid, but a Kelid bard. And then they would roll persuasion um, as the default and then add anything that I had contributed to that. So we did actually really well. Uh, we were we were up, uh, I think, four points uh, by the time we had our couple rounds that we could do uh, during the first day. And then what I thought was very cool is that Kevin then had a combat encounter in the midst of the dramatic task. And this is definitely something I want to model in my games, and I hope it totally works um, when I run my Savage Worlds games because it does break what could be a, the monotony of a dramatic task. And uh, as opposed, you know, it's basically a bunch of skill rolls, right? And I, I could see that happening somewhat in my Iron Kingdoms game when I did the bar fight, um, because some people sat it out and some people actually fought. And when I ran a dramatic task or skill challenge, as it's called in 5e, for them to um, navigate the warehouse of this goblin uh, mechanic engineer guy who set up a bunch of traps in his in his um, lair. So maybe like I could have had some robots come out and attack or something like that in the midst of it, maybe halfway through. Um, that might've been a better way to run that and make it more exciting. Anyway, um, I kind of did that, I feel, in the bell tower, which I had talked about in, in the Iron Kingdom 5e game the last time where the characters had to 
um, basically duck and dodge uh, a swarm of adversaries to get to the end. But I really like what uh, Kevin did. He had an assassin attack us, and the assassin was a wild card in parlance, in Savage World parlance, that is uh, like someone who's a character like us, who can roll a wild dice along with their attack, their regular uh, attack dice, and their dice can explode. They have more than one wound. Um, so they're pretty tough. And uh, that, that one assassin uh, nearly took down Velka, but Kate uh, eventually helped to cut him down. So we won. Um, I, I got some good hits, as usual, that happens for me. And eventually, that the dice will roll your way. Um, and also, especially if you have a, a meta currency like Benny's where you can make re-rolls, eventually you're going to get exploding dice. And since Kate, my character, has a really high fighting and gets buffed, I got buffed by Velka, you know, I was rolling like a D10, and then my strength was already a D10. So if I roll a 10 and then roll another 10, that's a hell of a lot of damage. I think that's what happened. I feel bad for some of those characters who were soloing this because when the assassin attacked, they were in a world of hurt. And actually, two characters, uh, two character players had their characters die or technically die. But then there was a, a neat role, I think, in Savage Worlds 2 where, you know, you get one last roll of the dice. And if you succeed, you don't die but have a permanent injury. If you succeed with a raise, you might have scars and uh, mental trauma, but you survive intact. And both of these these players, when they roll for their character, that last you know, death roll, as it were, they, um, they got a raise. So that means they survived intact and they lived to fight another day, which I thought was a pretty cool mechanic. Uh, so in total for this first session, of the extended dramatic ta dramatic task to gain allies for uh, the battle. We were at a minus eight, but by the end of the dramatic task, we were only at a minus one compared to the big the bad big bad who was leading an army towards our home uh, town of Torch. And according to that big bad's army, um, we were only like one down as opposed to eight. And what that would translate to in the battle to come is that we were. Just down, you know, by, by being down one force, they would have a plus one on their battle roll to start with, but it was better than a plus eight to start with. Um, so we did pretty well. We got uh, um, one player got the Crusaders to join. We had the Black Horses to join. Another group had uh, River Pirates uh, join us. And then um, the last player, what he was doing as a at, for his dramatic task was to help create some sort of uh, anti-psychic warfare dish um, in the town of Torch. So he succeeded despite being attacked by an assassin. He actually put the assassin to sleep, which is pretty neat. Um, that is another thing I think is pretty cool about Savage World that I've really enjoyed is the magic system. It's pretty uh, versatile. It's not you know, advancing in that you have a certain number of spell slots that you can cast. You have points and you can use them as you see fit. What I think is really neat is although you have an initial trapping that you choose, you can modify the trapping by expanding more power points. You can modify the range by expanding power points. You can modify the, um, the area of effect, how many people you affect by spending extra power points. And you can all spend a Benny 
to add five more power points if you're running low and you're doing all these special things with your spells. So that's pretty neat. It makes for a shorter spell book content in a particular rule set, which as we have seen, actually, I think that's probably what makes the bulk of many a rules book is the spell list, right? You can imagine DCC with all the different things that can happen with their damn spells. Uh, that's huge. But even, I mean, so the player's handbook, even the AD&D player's handbook, um, that's a lot of room taken up by spells. So this way, with a more versatile mechanic for how spells work, I think it cuts that down. And it makes it honestly fun to play a spell like a caster. And the cool, the thing is too, so like I have arcane background, whatever magic that's in the world, but you could do it for arcane background psionics, arcane, arcane background weird science. So you could figure out all sorts of things and you just really, the spells will be the same, but the trappings will be all different. Um, again, speaks to the versatility of the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition or Suede. I sing this song for the common man, for the people in despair. I bring my song into the world, and I sing it everywhere. The simple truth lies waiting here for everyone to share. So the second session that I played in was the big battle. And I think Savage World did a really great job of modeling this. And Kevin added some neat elements that he thought up of to make it even more exciting. So you can imagine a battle as an extended or a type of dramatic task where you have each army has force points and there is a attrition of the force points uh, through the course of the battle. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people are dead and dying. It means the cohesion of the fighting forces um, it becomes lost. So during the battle round, all of us as characters could, uh, as player characters, could do something uh, dramatic and contribute to the overall battle roll that was done at the end of the round. And then we would have to roll either a vigor or agility, I can't remember which one, to uh, not take damage or not be affected by the running and gunning of the battle, since each sort of battle round was, Kevin said, was like two hours. So um, it was it was really cool. It captured the ebb and flow. Everyone, I think, was really into the narrative, could describe what they did and then contribute to the battle or not. There were some initial... So the way the battle went is initially we got smoked. Our initial lines were overrun. My character, I know, having formed a bond with uh, Jeff's character, Velka, um, went to try to rescue them um, in the midst of the battle, try to counterattack. That didn't really work. Uh, we were fighting sort of a losing battle, you know, backing up through the streets and trying to cover uh, a retreat and not have it become a route. We were making our morale, which was good because we didn't uh, uh, end up routing. And eventually, though, I don't know, I think that our roles changed. Uh, we were able to hold the line, get a good series of roles, finally tie the other army in the battle role and stop things from bleeding severely. And then finally, at the end of the day, uh, with some drama, 
we uh, counterattacked their flank and drove them to a stalemate and stabilized the lines. And that was done kind of a couple of players had their characters sneak around behind and made the rolls to do that. Another character had them find, you know, describe that they found like um, these old, uh, the inn that had, we had usually was our hangout uh, when the town was normal and not in a battlefield and got all the spirits out and made, had people make uh, Molotov cocktails on, on as quickly as they could. And then attack the sneak around and attack the flanks of the of the army uh clearly they didn't like spirit or stop for a drink while they were rushing through but it was an army of i guess i should have described that at the beginning it was an army of mutants and cyborgs that were led by the psychic tree monsters um and i will also add that kevin madison on the dungeon musing podcast is describing his the whole event in his latest podcast uh, musing marathon, and you could probably you could also watch the actual play on his YouTube channel as well. Um, if you, but I, but you know, this is a different audience. But I'm just you know sending you that direction. Uh, so there you go. And so that was a day one of the battle, and it was broken up. So we we held the line. Uh, it was eight hours. It was the night had fallen. I guess the uh, bad guys, the bad guy army had retreated to their lines. And then we got word that they were trying to create, do a flanking maneuver and bringing some Numerian tech to bear, like big guns um, to bear on our, you know, to try to destroy us from behind or the rear or the side. So again, Kevin interspersed an extended dramatic task of the battle with some fighting. So we, as the heroes of the tale, volunteered. Uh, to go meet this group and skirmish with them. So it was a skirmish of the garbage heap. And um, we did very well. And the reward for doing very well was that we took some of their fighting force away from them. Um, we destroyed three squads of mutants, about three or four cyborgs with big guns, and two big giants. So that really depleted their fighting force, which was great. Uh, and many characters participated. Kate, uh, Firemane, my character, mowed through, I think, in one round, four mutants. And we held the line. And I think one character said that was a turning point. Although their character did take out four uh, of their own with a sleep spell. So, you know, the the, the standout was uh, our friend Dave, who was playing Mare, an, an android gunslinger. And their character one shot three of the cyborg gunners, including one time or one pass when they absorbed like the big gun of the cyborg, getting rid of like four wounds. The dissects were exploding for David like crazy. And then uh, another neat action is we were trying to fight one of the giants, but then um, one of the players, uh, Mo, uh, he has a, a uh, rat folk monk and he threw his little crawl star glaive thing and it hit the creature in the neck and killed it he rolled like 30 something plus points of damage it was stupid how much damage he did with that little crawl glaive and then um dave's character mari again 
uh, took out the giant. We had injured it somewhat, but then he finished it off with a shot from his ion rifle. So we did really well, recovered that tech, uh, hurt, you know, basically our night action hurt the fighting force. And then we had the battle start the next day. And we, the first round, we held the line, we tied the group. And then our hearts sunk when Kevin pulled the Joker from the deck for his action card for the final round. But we rallied and uh, we got a lot of successes despite Kevin's uh, army going first. We got a lot of successes to bolster our, our, our battle role. And then we had the priest of uh, Bry make the roll at the end. And guess what? It's Savage World, Savage Sunday. So you know at some point we'd get an exploding dice on the battle. And yes, we did. We got an exploding dice. We beat their army with the rays, which was enough to rout them. So the army won the, the battle, won, torch saved. We, it was, it was pretty exciting. And all our characters were beat up. My character had numerous wounds and was fatigued. And uh, wasn't the only one. So, you know, leaning on her bloodied sword, just sighed and sat in the ruins and rubble of Torch, knowing that we would have to rebuild. Don't get discouraged. Don't be afraid. We can make it through another day. Make it worth the price we pay. The final session of Terror from the Forgotten Time, now that we had defeated the army of mutants and cyborgs and giants and psychic trees, was to track the leader or the cause of all this calamity to the source. And Kevin Dungeon Musings had had one of the players have a dream and his goddess helped to lead them, us, to the lair of the bad guy and we did a sort of truncated travel task uh, my character suffered pretty bad and was fatigued by that time so we had to uh, spend a day resting and that nearly cost us because the big bad uh, bad guy sent a giant robot to attack us and terrorize us and it nearly wiped us out but, uh, you know, I had taken multiple wounds. Another character had taken multiple wounds. Um, and fortunately, we had a cleric with us. So the healer uh, kept us alive long enough to finally find places to strike and end this creature. I was kind of full on smite and swinging like crazy uh, with a flaming sword. And we finally were able to, with a combination of myself and another um, barbarian rager character played by George Strayton, were able to take this thing down. Again, um, the rat folk monk clockwork through a, a crawl glaive at a key moment that blew some certain um, key systems offline and destroyed the robot in a big fiery crash um it was really neat it was a fun battle again good to break the monotony of a dramatic traveling task although i mean honestly with savage worlds because we can add to the narration they're not that they're not boring at all um and i think kevin does a good job of keeping the action flowing 
maybe he, he has a good vibe of when, you know, uh, this might not work, this might not work, so let's add some combat, or let's stop the task, we've done enough, um, type of thing. And then we crawled into the sinkhole and the cave and found this forest of psychic, sleeping psychic trees. And this is something that I thought was very brilliant and incredibly fun and dramatic and tense, is that as Kevin split the party, one group was doing some sort of like a psychic task and we were doing like a physical task in the cave and we were both doing a type of dramatic task that had a timer. And some of us were looking for the source. We know what the source was. The source told us to kill it before even worse things could happen. This giant robot monolith, part God, part robot AI uh, would come into our verse and um, destroy everything in its path. And two characters were in the psychic, in the, in the other place, trying to help the mental avatar of this person, uh, a warden of some sort, um, to stay alive while we found the source uh, of this warden who was the link between our world and the world where this giant god was trying to come from. So uh, we did it. We accomplished it. Um, I think it was cool that my character, and I've talked about, I talked about this in the earlier, um, earlier section, my character can cast spells, so I cast a burst spell, like a fan of arcane energy, and I was able to increase the damage and change the trapping from fire to electricity, uh, which uh, Kevin had hinted might be a key thing because of all the technology around it, basically with short circuit, the technology I assumed. Um, and then I was able to kill the physical form of the watcher or the warden that the other characters were trying to help the mental avatar stay alive and they helped it to stay alive in time and uh, we did it and then we ran out of there because everything was collapsing um, or going up going about to go up in a big fiery inferno of nuclear kaboom so we made it out of there we helped each other uh, my character still being fatigued needed a little help from the others but we got out and we were alive and then on to rebuilding of torch we had each of us had a little um what uh, you know what we were doing next and and then kevin switched to like a a scene where we were back in the partially rebuilt uh inn and we all gave a good um exit monologue uh, for what our characters were doing and how we we're reacting and uh the terror this god thing from another dimension was still alive uh, but at least it had been stopped for now i remember when i was a lad times were hard and things were bad but there's a silver lining behind every cloud just four people and that's all we were trying to make a living out of black land dirt but we'd get together in a family circle singing loud daddy sang bass mama sang tenor me and little brother would join riding so the last session of Savage Weekend that I played, I actually ran a game of Deadlands using the Suede edition of the rules. This is an ongoing uh, game. It's a continuation of Showdown at Sundown, which is a published adventure that is in the 
box set edition of the Deadlands rule set that has just come out. So I won't try, I will try not to spoil it for people. Um, I'll just give my impressions of the game and what we played. This is a game where my wife plays and my two friends, David and Melissa, who have been longtime friends, but only have been gaming for about a, since we started this campaign, really. David plays a territorial ranger. He actually uh, took an edge to become a sergeant in the rangers. And my friend Melissa is playing a hexlinger, which is a huckster who uses a gun, sort of following the tradition of Doc Holliday and can etch runes on the gun and cast spells from the gun without incurring a multi-action penalty. Um, so I think she took took some skills to increase or, or something like that because she had taken agility to increase last time. And then my wife is playing uh, an agent who uh, is an interesting character and I would like her to communicate her inspiration for the character, which would be pretty cool, but I'm trying to pin her down to interview her. She's pretty busy with her foundation and con uh, government contracts that she manages and operates. So, and she took, again, I think she took skills uh, to improve, or maybe actually she took strength to improve because she, in the last uh, segment of the adventure, she had been in a, like a fighting or brawling contest and she kept winning but she realized that you know if she wanted to actually had done if she had actually wanted to do damage it wouldn't be that great so she upped her strengths and then she can then subsequently do other things so she's also planning now that as as they captured a stagecoach she wants to call in a favor from the agency to kind of keep that stagecoach and have it as a mobile uh mobile transport platform so instead of a train car like uh James West uh, had in Wild Wild West, uh, sh uh, she and her posse would have um, a stagecoach. So I started out this time. They wanted to go back to the stage. They found out about the town that they were in and all the, the weirdness um, or hints of the weirdness and where it came from. They had some ideas, but they couldn't quite pin it down, although they could pin down who was causing the strangeness. So they went back to their um, coach, but I decided to throw in some little little bit of combat. And like my friend Melissa said, you're throwing us throwing monsters at us from the beginning, because the last time we put monsters in at the end. But uh, it was fine. So, so basically, they had to fight some of the Walking Dead. So the bodies that they had left, the people they had uh, taken down the day before, were now had now become Walking Dead. I gave them a hint that there are some spirits in the air and voices that might be manipulating these corpses and uh, they dispatched them pretty well um and i think what was good is that they dispatched them before they disrupt the walking dead disrupted the horses enough for them to break and also ate the uh the two prisoners they had who had been laid out in the coach so that was good so so now they kind of which was kind of neat what they did is then um do some networking after that and have convinced these two former Cantrell gang men, I named them Bucky and Lucky, um, to join their group and act as sort of extras to help drive and manage the horses and the coach. So she, they gave them jobs, right? So then the next thing that we did is then we, uh, they had been invited to um, the mayor of the town, a guy named Silas Wanamaker, to his place. And then they played cards. 
and they learn some things about this guy uh, while two of the characters were playing cards um or had actually uh, my wife's character sam had had bucky play cards for her um then the other character um the big territorial ranger although very light in, on his feet and very agile imagine jack black from every single movie ever um, kind of a big man but pretty dexterous and sneaky he was able to move around the house um, and he found out some other things which is kind of cool uh, so he found some clues um, he almost got into trouble on the way down but uh, a couple good dice explosions he was able to convince one of the guard the the deputies that hey he was looking for the for the head so um you know it was it was a good session all around they found out some information uh we stopped uh there because i didn't want to get into the next phase of the game which would be the next day and the showdown um at sundown which would be a dueling contest and the characters are thinking sorry the players are thinking of what advances they can give to the characters and i gave them some hints so we can get take care of that hopefully beforehand but i mean i think that as i get, learn the game better and better they can kind of figure out what helps their character more and more so it was a good session it was fun to play again it's always great uh to get uh, new people in um to the to our hobby that we love so much uh, so they can then spread spread the good word right so thank you um david and melissa for playing and thanks to amy for amy definitely I would say she hams it up. She loves to get into the role playing, but she hams it up um, to really encourage our two friends to get into it. And I think they're getting there. Um, so it's pretty neat. Um, anyway, uh, that is it for Savage Worlds Deadlands. We're playing Sundown at Showdown, and we will probably get to the conclusion next time. So we'll see where it goes from there. If we continue with Deadlands or they had hinted that they might want to play East Texas U University, which is another uh, pinnacle uh, project where you play college students in uh, East Texas, um, which I think my friends would love because they they and their children went to AM. So there you go. So Jason did encourage me, and I feel better this time around on the podcast. So there are four song lyrics that you can guess upon and get yourself a Benny for the drawing I'm going to do at some point. And I'm, I'm actually serious about the drawing. Um, and I'm calling them Benny's because, hey, this is a Savage Worlds uh, weekend edition of the Geomologist Presents. So four songs here. There may be a few others here and there. Uh, I think Jason is the only one who's guessed. And I don't know, he has like half a Benny because he only guessed the artist. He did not guess the song. So artist and song for the various lyrics that I've tried to sing. Sometimes it's a better singing than others. I apologize for you musicians out there. And uh, anyway, take care and happy gaming. I think that will be all for this episode. It's heavy on the recaps. We got some other responses to call-ins. Um, I did... I'm glad I got that character creation thing. So there's some RPG content that's not a recap. Hey, maybe I'm diversifying, which is always important. I am planning. I'd like to, I did some, I didn't do many zines for the zine quest. Um, I did uh, one though that I thought was really cool and cute. I like animals. I have many pets, cats and dogs. And I did 
participate or uh, sign up for the Streets, a role-playing game um, by Andrew or Vidal and Eliza Skinner. And I think I will, I probably won't put on the show notes this time, but next time I think I'll review it. Um, that may be kind of cool to do, something different. And uh, this week, uh, I've already played or run one game, which is our Mutant Chronicles game. I think I'll describe also character creation for Mutant Chronicles in the next time. Uh, that was a game that Jason Connerly suggested, and we played one session of it, and I thought it was pretty fun. It went pretty well. Uh, there are some nuances that we have to learn a little better in the 2D20 Modifia system. It seems every incarnation of that system is different. Uh, from Mutant Chronicles, which I think was the first one, and then Conan and Infinity, Star Trek, uh, John Carter of Mars, the new Dune setting. I think there's a few others that I might be missing, but one of the experts like Arlen Walker will probably come in and can list all of them. So it's a fun system to play uh, once we get all the little minutiae, if that makes sense. And some some of the incarnations, uh, oh, the Octoon Cthulhu also now 2d20 which i'm looking forward to and i think i think i might have set up something on the roll 20 for that for one of these days so anyway so we played mutant chronicles um planning to play iron kingdoms 5e tonight and definitely i will talk about our first session of the warhammer fantasy rpg which is uh, scheduled for thursday and i think saturday might be an off day i was planning to attend this class uh run by uh, dm dave um, for how to write adventures, but I think he's postponed that because um, I got a lot of deadlines and things I got to do for the last couple Kickstarters, which is cool. I definitely want to learn how to do this thing, participate. Um, uh, who knows? Who knows where that could lead? I think I have a lot of good ideas, but a lot of the times when I think of a good idea, then I'm like, this is derivative. It's been done before, or it's pastiche of something else. It's hard to come up with an original idea because I think and, and this also goes for like science. You know, I think so many people complain in my field. Oh, we got scooped. Oh, they stole our ideas. But that's not the case. We're all, we read the same things. We're trained the same way. We come up with hypotheses and ideas in a very similar manner. So, of course, and there's millions and millions of people um, thinking about these all the time. And everyone is intelligent. It's really, I've always believed, and I'm beginning to believe more and more because the data is out there too, that's really the environment you're put in onto how successful you promote, you're able to promote your ideas and how successful you are. Everyone is smart, really. Um, so in their own way of measure, and intelligence is measured in so many different ways nowadays. Uh, so there you go. Uh, I think Sunday, it might be Call of Cthulhu or it might be Umerica. I don't know yet. So um, I will let you know when the time comes. So thank you again for listening. I am trying to reduce the number of errs and ums and interruptions as I record this and think about it. Thank you, Andy Goodman. But I know a lot of you guys like the conversational nature of many podcasts. So there you go. Have a great uh, weekend and a great week of gaming. And I will talk to you soon.